0: Okay, now we're going. <laughs> I have a cough. <laughs> Why are you coughing so much? Because <coughs> I'm allergic to Los Angeles. I'm allergic to smog. Have I told you guys that? You're allergic I'm to the silver I mean, no one is, like, good with smog. It's not a benefit for anyone. We but were I was told I was allergic. texting
1: a little bit about this earlier. I was saying how... We were just, like, talking about how Mulholland Drive is a movie that changes every time you see it. Mm-hmm. And... Because I guess I'm an idiot, I've never clocked the detail that when you had Justin throws mansion in the hills, it's like this, one of the smoggiest shots of L.A. I've ever mm-hmm. seen in my life. Oh, mm-hmm. is it? I don't remember that. Well, because he's up on a hill, so uh-huh. you would imagine there's plenty of McMansions and palm trees and everything below, and it is um, just like gray-yellow. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hot. It's, true. it's It's not looking good. Something I
0: noticed that I never noticed before is that it's also a movie about privilege, in a way. Yeah. And that's something I never thought about before. And I thought about it because I'm reading Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers right now, which, when it came out, all anyone talked about was that you need to do 10,000 hours of work to master something. But it's really more about that middle-class people get more opportunities than working-class people, and they're taught to excel, Yeah, and they're taught to put in the hours. It's mm-hmm.
1: funny that you say that because I picked up on that this time too. And especially the detail where Naomi Watts is constantly like, let's just call the police. Mm-hmm. And then like, they basically prank, like they crank called the police almost. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she just has such like a short footedness and confidence. And of course yeah. it's also just getting into like something of a satire. She's of just, from
0: Deep River, Ottawa. Is that what Deep River, Deep River Ottawa? Oh. Yeah. And she
1: won a that's Jitterbug it. contest, and she mm-hmm. got her got a trip to Los Angeles.
2: Okay, Irene. <laughs> okay, Irene. That's that's <laughs> so it. That's the... good. So
0: my I... and the sound mix is so bad. <laughs> okay, on, Irene. On purpose, I think. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think we are meant to think. Oh, this is such a Hollywood movie. Yes. At that Moment. Yes,
2: that's the f- first opening, right? <laughs> Won't
0: that be the day? <laughs> <laughs> Betty I wish you the best of success In this town
2: When the oh. old woman smacks knee. Smacks his knee uh. yeah, Looking maniacally
1: straightforward With a big grin <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Iconic. That it's is what my my best friend in college and I, who I just found mm. out is moving back to L. A. and mm. might be moving in with me. Oh,
2: um, oh, that problem already solved. That itself? That might be quick. Yeah. Oh. Okay, Irene. Be- okay, Irene. Okay, Irene. <laughs> okay, Irene. <laughs> but
1: she like she she's very much like you, Brandon, in that she's fascinated by old people. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
2: is this because I like Trash Humpers? Yes. Oh yeah, it's her
1: favorite movie. She has the poster that's on her wall. But reason. so Irene was always her favorite character in Mulholland Drive, and we would just you know we've. Someone was like, do you want to go to Chipotle for lunch today? Like, the answer would always be,
2: okay, Irene. Like, for literally everything. (laughs) It's so good. Okay, Irene. The second best line is, and look what that, and just look what that kangaroo did to this courtyard. (laughs) Okay, Coco. (laughs) I'm just going to, like, cough. (laughs) The whole podcast. The way Naomi
0: Watts is, "Coco, Coco. 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 I, I've seen this movie probably upwards of 20 times hell yeah and i think this i will finally see that it is david lynch's best movie i mean it's i've never me. felt that before hell
2: Which, yeah what would what would you say twin peaks the i
0: return. well i always used to say blue velvet oh yeah coming soon is it better than twin Revolution. peaks the return though? mulholland mm-hmm i think so Ooh,
1: this was the She's changed. She's starting. This was the she's first starting. time I've watched Maholland drive since seeing Twin Peaks the return. Is that true? I think yes, that's true. And so seeing Robert Forster pop up for a second mm. got me very yeah. got my, my eyes were glistened with Who, some who was tears. Justin
0: Thoreau already by the year 2000 that he gets first billing? He was a man. And Naomi Watts was basically an unknown. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just like, it's
2: wild, though. (laughs) I'm just like,
0: I don't think of him as being in anything that would earn him that. No, I
1: will say the more times I watch this movie, the more I see that it is not as much his story as the women, not by half. But it is, he is a very strong thread in the film. Mm -hmm. Like the cow, at the the, the end of Beachwood Canyon with the cowboy. cowboy. That's I, I live, straight up Beachwood Canyon don't remember that. Mo- like, I, of course I was looking forward to seeing it this time, but I swear to God, the first five
2: times I saw that movie, that scene was not
1: in it. That just it wasn't a thing
2: where he emerges under the light. That was uh, not in the movie. The first time, five so five times good. I saw So the it. Justin Thoreau thread. That's for me because like in Diane's dream, mm-hmm. um, that's her giving him because he ended up casting and seducing Camille. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's her version of giving him like his worst day ever. Mm. Like, oh I'm, yeah, I'm gonna get you know.
1: Oh, that's a good idea. That's really interesting. That's great.
2: Like he that's literally good, has the worst day. It's it's ever. Yeah, wishing the worst
1: day on your enemy. Yeah. In your dream. Oh, that's really great. And of course, it's also just the. We can, maybe we can talk about it when we get to Mahal and Drive, but just, just the idea—the idea of yeah. the, the it opening the, with that, the homework that, <laughs> that, 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 that the mob is operating in some sort of studio that is mm-hmm. kicking him in the knees and taking yeah. away his creative control and. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so I guess I've always just read it on that level, just as satire of studio system. Yeah. Which it is that, too. No, of course, but no, but you're <laughs> exactly right. And that's the thing about Lynch, is that his films are all intensely personal. Yeah. And the idea that they're just like these trips to the subconscious mm-hmm. where nothing makes sense, and it's just a man in a top hat, and then yeah. someone pops a balloon, and, and then everyone flies off down a highway and ends yeah. up in an abandoned house that sets on fire. Like, they're every by personal, I don't just mean David Lynch, the filmmaker. I mean his... They're very character driven. Yeah, like the, they're soaked in in emotions from these characters. They're so pure. And they all driven
2: come by into and... love stories. They're love stories. They so, all yes. all of them do. Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: and it's not surprising to me that like the thing that breaks the first half is that they like declare their love for each other essentially, mm-hmm. and that is what sparks them going to Silencio. That
2: moment. I forget when it happens, but when... Yeah, it's when they're gushing over each other uh-huh. and Naomi Watts is sitting there and it's the cup rattling and then it does that cut. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just I smacked just the, <laughs> the mic. That... Oh, my God. It's literally so... It's just so good. <laughs> the, it's silen- so good. the
1: Silencio scene the first time I saw that when I was 19 years old, like changed my relationship with movies. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yep. It is, it does. It, I mean, it's not just drenched in pathos (laughs) and everything, but just the, like I watch it now and I'm really not that puzzled by them pulling the blue box out or just the, the lighting and, and, and the, just the, the fact that it's in this grand old theater, just like the context of it. And then just these random bits and bobs of the mystery that pop in at the frames. Now I'm just like, Yes, of course, because it's all on this dream logic. It makes yeah. total sense. But watching that for the
2: first time, I was just like,
1: "How does this put together?"
2: Yeah. Like, but now it was just like the emotion. Washers. No, exactly. Oh, and it's, it's it's. I remember it's when I first saw it, I was like,
0: "I have solved it." I remember calling a friend, yeah. being like, "I get it. I've got it." Yeah. <laughs> well, and I feel like I get it less and less every time I watch too. it. Yep. You
2: mm-hmm. think you get it? The first time I watched it, I did a similar thing as you, Daniel. I watched it. <laughs> Borrowed my friend's DVD in, yeah. in high school Do you remember and the DVD f- Had like a list
0: ten, ten, ten clues like clues yes. To unlock and, The meaning of Mahalo and Drive And
2: no chapters No chapters oh. Supposedly because David Lynch didn't want you To be able to jump around Oh It's not a chapter right. Kind of movie <laughs> So I made a, I made a flow finish. chart and mm. I fold it up and put in the little, and then I watched it. I watched it the next day. Shall and I, then I watched it the yeah, next so day. Yeah, so
1: yeah, I watched it on Valentine's uh, Day, my freshman year of college, and then immediately
2: watched it the next yep, day with everyone. So do, you, do you guys Brilliant. want me to
1: read some of the, the clues? Oh, you found them? I found them. Great. Okay.
2: Pay attention um, to the coffee mug. Yeah. That's like one of them. Oh, wait, hold on. No, that's this is right. someone interpreting them. And, and it's like. ones
1: from the DVD
0: what does the blue key signify? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's shit like that. Uh, and like, then wh- who wrote those wh- clues? Wh- one of them is, Not like David Lynch. The, the marketing people at like Universal. I,
1: I actually... I, I think that he did write them. I, I don't I really think... Like, I fuck don't, with you? Yeah, I don't think they're actually the, the... I think some of them lead you down the right paths to, fi- yeah. to quote-unquote, figuring out what the movie's about.
0: But they it, give no, you things to think about. You
1: th- it's much to think about, but I think it's mostly just him kind of having a laugh with the idea of having needing to crack it and solve it. So, shall I read all ten?
0: They're very yes. short.
1: Yeah, do okay. it. Okay. Number 1. Pay particular attention in the beginning of the film. At least two clues are revealed before the credits. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number 2. Notice line. appearances of the red lampshade. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number 3. Can you hear the title of the film that Adam Kesher is auditioning actresses for? Is it mentioned again? Number 4. Yes.
2: What is it? Cuz I remember it's the finally Sylvia catching it. something story. This is yeah. the
1: this is the one that always kind of tripped me up. So it's Naomi. An accident is a terrible event. Notice the location of the accident. It's Mahalan Drive on Mahalan me? Drive. It's on Mahalan <laughs> no, Drive. I know, but I, but <laughs> that, that, like... that that tripped me up the hardest time. I'm like it's a trick question. Yeah. Like it's a trick question. Uh <laughs> who gives a key and why? Oh. <laughs> that's a classic. No, oh my god. Naomi. Notice the robe, the ashtray, the coffee cup.
2: The ashtray that's, that's a straight.
0: piano. The ashtray is this is what I'm saying. That is that, isn't
2: that the same brown ashtray that shows up in the in her apartment and in the diner, or is that the mug? Because the mug the shows mug. up. Yeah. You know.
0: This is this but is the a,
2: piano ashtray. This is, is a, the, the the neighbor
0: lady. This is the one, one that movie. also fucked me
1: up, Naomi. What is felt, realized, and gathered at the Club
0: Silencio? <laughs> I was like. A key is gathered? That's an AP lit question. (laughs) That's like on the test. That's your one question to write an essay about.
1: Did talent alone help Camilla? Note the occurrences surrounding the man behind Winkies. Oh. Oh. Number 10. It's a woman. First of all, it's a woman. Uh, Number 10. Where's Aunt Ruth?
2: (gasps) Where is Aunt Ruth when she shows up in that balcony? Mm, Fuck. For me, it's it's when Fuck. when she reappears
1: just like walking in the back of the frame into yeah. the apartment. Uh huh. It's very disruptive. There's a lot. There's much to discuss, and we'll
0: discuss it. When How we many get times do you it. see the cowboy again? Because he says, "If you're bad, you you'll see him me twice." Twice, and you see, you him, see twice. him twice. And who's being bad? It's Diane. Exactly. It's Diane.
1: That that um, I guess we'll talk about it now. The party scene where she's you know fucked up and upset and alone <laughs> and watching you know, watching her ex Uh, and then the girl. When
0: Melissa George from Star of Alias. Yes. Whispers in Camilla's ear. Mm.
1: Just like (laughs) both both the heartbreak and the, they're talking about you. Like that just
2: devastated me. Oh my God. The first time I saw it, it's still like ruining. Yeah. And that just sort of like
1: the Wurlitzer music in the background. Like that's maybe my favorite sequence in the whole movie, just because of tone and what is said between looks Mm um linda's Linda's having a bite out of that cardboard box (laughs) box.
0: i was reading several are you
1: a bookworm linda i was catching up on my
0: reverse shot today oh hell yeah and they published an article in 2006 i forget who wrote it just about the concept of moments they did a whole like series and someone did a piece on just that David Lynch does not, Linda. oh, Linda, David Lynch <laughs> doesn't to read edit in shots, he edits in moments, and mm. there's something very special about, like, his reverse shots. In that scene, particularly. <coughs> <coughs> Are you oh. okay? Yeah. That people mm. just, like, other directors, it's just a reverse shot, but David Lynch is able to make a simple cut be such a moment. Well,
1: it's it's emotionally charged. Mm-hmm. And that's why, I mean, going back to where we started here, they're all character-driven and feel deeply personal to the lives of the people in, mm-hmm. in the movies. Even mm-hmm. Lost Highway, which is not a movie I like very much, and I'm yeah. trying to get there with that movie. It's good. Oh, well, I think about moments from it all the time. The, the The scene in the party with when the man, the pale man. The only thing the I telephone. think about is
0: Patricia Arka getting in the car in the slow motion oh. that she whips her hair. She whips her hair back and forth. She whips her hair back and forth. Should I introduce the program?
1: <laughs> Crispin does the, yeah. name, the nay-nay. Yeah, go ahead hello i was actually gonna do it this week as a a laugh
2: but go for it i don't think so bitch. i am the captain now
1: and always
2: uh is that okay can i do it
1: brandon you are the captain dressed as a pirate on echo park lake
2: i am thank you um Um. okay shut up (laughs) hello we are 15 minutes into the program. Wow, we're having a good time tonight. <laughs> Hello. Um, this is Movies IMO. We are your favorite film fags. We come together once a week to discuss film, cinema, friendship. Especially the la- the, the, the last one. And Linda. Well, um, I take it
1: back. The last one. No. That one.
2: Um, I'm Brandon Kirby.
0: I'm Ben MP. I'm Diane Selwyn. Hell yeah. And I think I know why Linda's having a moment
2: because she was edited by David Lynch.
0: I'm
2: I'm starting to get very
1: familiar with Linda where I want to do what I do to her to my cat mom when I'll just like get both my heads out and just scratch <laughs> both her sides and be like, "Hey, little Pookie, what's going on?" But that would alarm Linda. She would yeah. be disturbed. But she's uh, not. She's
0: not used to that. She's not used to that.
1: She's not used to that kind of love. Mm-hmm.
2: What are we Today. Doing? <laughs> <laughs> we are here to discuss perhaps the most
1: regional episode yet
2: true well no it's on vod available everywhere (laughs) but no 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 no, but the the film the film itself is all regional. i thought you meant availability for eyeballs (laughs) to view no it's it's
1: widely available on the worldwide (laughs) net
2: (laughs) um this is a24's as we say most illustrious prestigious release yep the wide nationwide release all in theaters all across the nation. They've booked
1: <laughs> I I've actually heard that they are keeping theaters open for four days in a row because there are so many sold out screenings of Under the Silver Lake. Yes. Not to not to say what we're talking about.
2: David Robert Mitchell's third third motion picture. I don't remember. No, sorry. Yeah, third. I think it's his third <clears throat>
1: picture. I think it's his third.
2: Under the Silver Lake, mm. starring Andrew Garfield and Riley Keough. Mm-hmm.
1: What else are we talking about?
2: We're also talking about David Lynch's masterpiece, Mahalo Drive, which we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, Robert Altman's uh, The Long Goodbye. And the third uh, John Carpenter's They
1: Live! They live. And and I'll tell you what, in that movie, they sure do. They live. They
2: are living. Okay, that
0: fucking... the fight scene. Fight scene that goes on for forty
2: five minutes.
1: It is a classic.
2: It's incredible. Wow. It is a classic. When it kept going, I just said to myself, What? <laughs> to myself in my apartment. I was just Every saying.
1: time one of them one of them will get knocked down and then come back up, I'm just under my breath. But it, but it's starting But it's great. that they're like they laugh
2: sort of throughout it. No, too. that that
1: fight scene for being <clears throat> in theory like simple blocking it's like in one location basically yeah. mm-hmm. and they're just slugging each other with fists mm. back and forth back and forth it has a lot of like tonal shifts to it like it, yeah. it is told in sort of chapters yeah maybe, and it's very well directed mm-hmm. yeah it and just, it's very funny it just keeps on going it's just it's like the, it's, so it's, it's the sideshow bob stepping on a bunch of rakes the guy ga- the joke just keeps going on and on, and on. <clears throat> yeah. do you think
0: the grocery store is intended to look like the grocery store in double indemnity that's a good question. I think um, it's intentional.
1: I didn't rewatch the film before the episode, but I'm sure that it is. I believe it's intentional.
0: Interesting. I choose to believe that. Believe.
1: I Thank just you. watched Mildred Pierce for the first time. Oh, fuck yeah. Speaking of James <clears throat> M. Cain adaptations. Did it
0: fuck you up?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: When Joan Crawford says, Sepulveda.
1: Well, no one... That's,
0: that part's hard no for me. No one...
1: No one told me it was a movie about class in America.
0: Have you not seen the Todd Haynes? No. Oh,
1: I don't think oh. so. No, I've, I have seen clips. I have seen clips of the Todd <laughs> oh. Haynes. Well, the Todd Haynes. Like is that I've, I've plus seen the clip of Lena, uh, like Lena Dunham <gasps> in Mildred Pierce. De Veda and Mildred get together.
0: No, but that's why Mildred is obsessed with her daughter in the book.
1: Oh, which I which I bought a wonderful edition of a couple months nice. ago, uh, and that's. Honestly, the main reason why I watch the movie is, and I the don't best read thing the about
0: the Todd Haynes is that she actually starts like Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Not is it a pie shop? It's called Mildred's. No, it, it's In... it,
1: it is a restaurant bar pie shop. Wait, it's it is actually Roscoe's Chicken and
0: Waffles. Like she. She opens it's Mildred's chicken and waffles. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's like it's a Roscoe's. It's an LA type. chicken and waffles chain. <clears throat>
1: no, and Mildred Pierce with Joan Crawford, it's in Glendale, and mm. she opened a bar because why have a bite to eat here and then get a drink somewhere else? That's right. Makes sense. Right. Makes sense to me. You can get them in the same place. Mm. Wow. Academy Award winner. What would Vita think?
0: Mm. Vita, what do you think? Uh, when she <laughs> I hate slaps Vita across the face, that is one of the most exciting things. I have ever seen. Why
2: didn't I go to the new Beverly 2pm? Because it was at
0: 2pm yeah. on a Tuesday.
2: I should have gone.
0: I should have called that sick.
2: Should have been The new
0: sick schedule at work. should be up by now. <gasps> it's not. Well, maybe we'll look it up after the pod. Quentin's doing editing. He's he's <gasps> he's burp. racing to get to Cannes. <laughs> he's busy. By the way, do I the mean, calendar
2: yourself.
0: I um
1: you know I'm choosing not to be combative today because it's a movie I don't really like and Brandon loves. I'm choosing to be, you know. Docile. I'm choosing to be docile. I'm basically
0: the average of
2: you two.
1: The difference between between two and five stars is not two and a half
2: stars. Fair. You said it was a three but then I saw the log. Well,
0: because it is, it's
2: worse than three. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I just have my points to make, Uh, and then I'll move on. It's a fun ass movie, though.
0: It's not fun. I
2: had so much fun. Okay, so what's the movie about? Let me say.
0: Yeah, let's set it up. (coughs) (laughs) We're all coughing.
2: Under the Silver Lake is about Andrew Garfield, who plays a toxic, masculine piece of shit named Sam, and he's just sitting and farting in his apartment, looking at his nude lady neighbor with her birds, having a jack. He's having a An jack. Order and ordering a jacket. He's ordering sure. a jack. He's having a jack. He's, he, just, he stands around naked and jerks off. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom calls. He says he's working. But a vintage playboy. It's my favorite <laughs> issue.
1: <laughs> um,
2: He's a sack of garbage. He's yeah. sitting around. He doesn't work. He doesn't do anything. He plays Nintendo with his stupid Topher Grace friend. He yeah, wears yeah. a hat and not, has gauges. Not to
1: get too regional, apparently he lives in Griffith Park because his walk home yeah. is through Griffith Park. Yeah. Odd. Not to get too regional, but I'm sorry, all these people are saying like we've got a new LA classic on our hands. I'm like this movie fundamentally doesn't understand LA geography. <laughs> it can't be an LA movie. Mm. Not to get too regional, but that that little Walkie Giving takes
2: Destroyer, off, a run for its money. It
1: no, it is. Brandon and I watched Destroyer together and there's a moment where Nicole Kidman is in like South Central Los Angeles, turns a corner and is at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> it is. Not to get to regional, but that, that's like a lot of blocks. That's miles.
0: So I don't know if you have to be that strict about no, it.
1: No, 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 no. I understand that, but... This I is, mean, I, no, in the I Destroyer
0: understand. moment, I think that's fine. Okay, okay, so
1: here, here's why I have an issue. I with, do have a
0: problem with the Under the Silver Lake. He walks through the bush so, every day. Yeah. I don't have so a problem with I that. Want to,
1: I want to explain why it's a problem for me. Because obviously when you're making a movie, you have to mash together different pieces of the city. When you're making an L.A. movie... You mash them together and create this fictional version of L.A. That's the thing about L.A. It's like a city of dreams. Like, it, it's now I'm in this
0: dream place. You know, When Elliot like, Gould is being whisked by the ambulance, you see both the the, yeah. the, the Lemley Royal and the New Beverly. <gasps>
1: yes. Yes. So uh, here's another example. So I just watched Murder by Contract, <clears throat> which is one of the Columbia Noir on Criterion Channel, which is excellent. And they pick, I think I talked about this last week, but they pick up our hitman at the Glendale train Station, they're on the 110 heading towards Highland Park. Mm-hmm. And the next thing we know, they're like at the beach. Mm-hmm. So these things don't make sense. But here's why I have a problem with it and under the Silver Lake. The walk he's taking is a fairly iconic stretch of Griffith Park because it is just a one mile. Mo- it is like less than a mile. This little path. It's actually at the... It's at the, It's not even up in the hills. It's basically street level. It's just a mm-hmm. little nature walk. That is not... in like. It is beyond the gates of Griffith Park. <laughs> it's not like you can't it, you can't take that as a shortcut home. Yeah, the only exits are to the road that takes like that. It's already past the gates of Griffith Park that takes you to the trailhead. So for me, it's like it looks nice on screen. It's very LA, it's very green and it bothered foggy. me
0: just because
1: let, let me just say it, and then he takes that to get home. That's yeah. all that that's my problem.
0: It just bothered me like not know I didn't know this is geography, but no one is walking through the bush to get home in LA.
1: No. Well, this movie has a pretty um, doesn't have a very clear idea of what it means to be a young, Alive. toxic Angelino. I'll get into that. Let, let's have a moment, because I, I liked it the least, which does not mean I get to dictate the direction of this conversation. Brandon loved it, and he's in Thank charge you. this week, so I will say my shit when I get to it.
2: Uh, he meets Riley Keough, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> who plays his neighbor. She's, she's a mysterious woman in the swimming pool with a dog and a hat. I don't really like Riley Keough. Oh, I do.
1: I think she understands exactly what movie she's in. I think she's no, I just star. mean in general. I love her in American. She's, in American it's nepotism. Honey, no, you're not wrong, but Laura Dern it does. But it is, Laura Dern is nepotism. Yeah, I but mean, Laura
0: Dern is Laura Dern. I'm not saying Riley Keough is not Laura my, Dern. My
1: point. My point is, is that you can't. I guess you have to pick and choose with nepotism
0: because otherwise, you also. Talk. I knew who Laura Dern was before I understood nepotism.
1: That's true. I didn't know who. I did not know Riley Keogh was Elvis Presley's granddaughter. Until, what? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, when I saw American Honey, I did not know that. I was like, I did. Well, they plushes? This girl great out of in Tallahassee? American Honey. She's outstanding. She was on my ballot that year.
2: Um sorry, let me just get through this plot. There's not much of it. It'll take you a while. Um she disappears. And he decides it's up to him to find her mm-hmm. for very selfish reasons. He thinks that he's, he's doing good he's doing yeah. it for her, but he's doing it for him. And he's, I love this conceit. And he goes on this odyssey to find her, and it goes on for another two hours. An mm-hmm. odyssey
1: through layers and layers of pastiche, homage, regional history of Los Angeles, specifically the Silver Lake neighborhood. It's all about hidden messages and advertising and conspiracies <clears> that <throat> the rich and powerful are involved in and none of us on the bottom know anything about it
2: very they live
1: yeah, i mean it's like the reason why i wanted us to watch they live is because they live does all of this and right. and under the silver like it's presented as novel somehow That yeah. like and that drives me insane like the, the the moments where like if you thought peterloo had a problem with monologuing I have a problem with the way that Andrew Garfield is just constantly like, "Do you ever like think hard about it?" And that, like, we're not being oh, told everything.
2: Problem. But that's his character. No, that's no, what I he under- is. It's a
1: satire. I understand that he's he's not even a Bernie bro. He didn't vote. And actually, Caden Gardner made a good joke on Twitter. We were doing a back and forth. Caden said, "Like, I doubt he's even registered." Like, but he's that kind of guy. He's he, yeah. he's a redditor. He's he's obsessed with like these con- these vast conspiracies where he. The mediocre white man is somehow in the crosshairs of it all. Mm-hmm. He's
2: the, the code codebreaker. Right. He's going to solve it all. Yeah. But my
1: problem is that this movie is on some level about power in America mm-hmm. and about how we are living in the rich and powerful's playground and the rest of us are just going about our programmatic lives with an idea of how we're supposed to succeed, which is all really just a big farce because those who... The, those who can protect themselves with money, with power, with influence, write the news. Mm-hmm. There's like they, they they have a level of security that is uh, the rest is off limits to the rest of us. So I don't understand. Like, where I have trouble with some, I mean, I have a problem with a lot of the satire in this movie, but the movie seems to be endorsing his point of view. When it comes to there is this whole world going on that none of us can see. And I think quite cleverly, like in a way, like kind of brings you into that and shows that, yes, he is right about that. He's just wrong that it leads to him getting together with the girl. Mm-hmm. But none of it is particularly, like what he's saying is not profound. It's not enlightening. It's like, th- these things get, are all I, such like I, uh, no does to me. And all the characters around mm-hmm. him are bewildered. This seems like, oh, you think that sounds weird? And she's like, yeah, sort of. He's like, you don't think that rich people know something we do- we don't? And she's like, Good restaurants, maybe. And it's just like, so everyone else is a dope.
0: Oh, is that not your L.A. experience, though?
1: <laughs> no, what I'm saying is... Because I see that. No, 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 what, what, what my, no. No, it's, it's a fine joke, but what I'm saying is that's an... You op- know what I mean, the whole concept that you're discussing? I'm saying, no, it is L.A. No, I agree. What I'm saying is, is, how can the movie be skewering him as this paranoid, mediocre white man who actually has it pretty easy... While also validating the idea that he is being kept in the dark, and all the normal people around him who say he's crazy are wrong, and most of them seem to be women, I'm just like, it's sort of a cake and eat it
2: too problem for me with this movie. I, I see what you're saying. I, so the movie, oh, what do I want to say? the The whole conspiracy where like, rich people are in power, blah blah blah. So the movie does believe that, and his character believes that. But I think that is secondary to the movie just being a takedown of just white male toxicity. Like, that's the main thing happening, and the conspiracy stuff. I mean, he's... So he's never... Okay, so I think he's never validated by any of it, because I don't think any of it's happening. None of it... it's, It's... the movie screws screws you so close to his point of view like in burning. that, um, yeah. So I want to get to the burning comparison later. Um, it forces you to look at his point of view mm-hmm. to the point where all beyond him reading the stuff and like drawing shit on like a pizza box and looking at his Nintendo Power magazines, like that's as far as this goes. He doesn't meet people in the fucking mountains. He doesn't see, you know, he does follow, um... Uh, what's her Zasha name? Sasha Mamet. Sasha Mamet around being fucking psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, and he
1: does see a man dressed as a pirate on the banks of Echo Park Lake.
2: So I think a lot of the deeper conspiracy stuff that validates him, and he's like, it's all true, I'm right. Like, that's... None of that's actually happening. That's in his dream version of his which also is the and Drive comparison that I want to get to. But I think not, none of that's happening. So I don't think he's actually so I, being validated. I mostly
1: disagree, but I'm willing to entertain that. But, but even just on on the the plane that you're presenting here, where it's all in his head. Yeah. How is it not... Va- if it's a if it's a takedown of toxic masculinity and his character is a punchline in all of this, mm-hmm. why are we being asked to enjoy ourselves across two and a half hours while the movie's also making pretty good points about wealth and power that end up validating his point of view? How can it be that this whole movie is a dream, essentially? And since he's supposed to be the problem in this movie, wouldn't his dream then be an extension of that toxicity? When in fact it's it's fairly illuminating and... The movie presents sort of this, to your point, like an odyssey of adventures and side quests and colorful characters, and so it's meant to be enjoyable on that level. It,
2: yeah, I mean, I do. do, do, How can it
1: do that? And it's not like it's impossible. You can walk and chew gum. I do think it. A lot
2: of gum. I do think it is doing both, which is where it gets tricky because Andrew Garfield is so good and it is fun, but it's also sort of sickening watching watching him. Mm. So I think it is doing. Both, but he's pathetic because, okay, the point, uh, the scene that it really coalesced for me at least and this whole idea that I'm spewing where it's like 90% of the movie's a dream, I think, is um, it's two scenes. When he's at the party, which is similar in theme for me to the, the Mulholland Drive party scene that you were talking about where I know he's, Seen an ex and seeing so he's seen this acts clearly who was successful that's why he keeps staring at the billboard obviously right and he so he is this white dude who came to hollywood with big dreams and fucking failed and fucking fell on his face mm-hmm. and he's trying to find purpose and it's like it kind of sucks because the movie and andrew garfield's performance Does almost make you feel empathy for him, but which is a credit to the performance. But that's it's a credit to the performance, and I think it's the movie's way of being successful in holding a mirror up to like ourselves, because like you don't, I don't want to empathize with this fucking dirt bag, dirt fuck. Okay, so with that (laughs) party scene tied with the the video. Riley Keogh video call scene mm-hmm. yeah. which I was moved by and I was I like, like why am I being moved by this mm-hmm. and so the video call for me I don't think it actually happens but when she says um, you know I'm underground now like I just have to do it and he says yeah I guess we're here now and I, we just have to do it he looks up at the Hollywood sign so he's like moving here for me mm-hmm. was a mistake I'm a failure I suck I have no talent blah, blah 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 and like my girl I'm watching my girlfriend have success blah 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 mm-hmm. so it is sort of a cake and eat it too movie because it's like he fucking sucks but you also almost are forced to feel bad for him in that moment but I still think it's a takedown of that Does, yeah. is, is any of this it, making sense I'm following you
1: I want to hear what Ben has to
0: say <clears throat> um I just don't know that he that like what he's saying is so outrageous to everyone like I don't think they are like truly he thinks he's dropping like, truth bombs yes, on people. Yes, and I think everyone else is just like okay, he's so like, you're or high right. or whatever like you're just a you're a boring lazy white man. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not that they don't
2: believe him, but, it's that they're just riding him on.
1: But doesn't that make him like a profit in some way that's not getting his due. If they're no, it, him ma- off it almost makes him
2: true. more pathetic because everyone's like, "Yeah, dude, obviously," and he I thinks he's a genius. I don't
1: get the "Yeah, dude, obviously" read of it. And, and again, it goes back to the bathrooms or the bathtub scene when he's been sprayed by a skunk mm-hmm. and he's bathing in tomato juices and he's with Ricky Lindholm and he's it's the first time he really like lets it all out about subliminal messages and advertising and the idea that we're being told that life is. A quest to get to X when actually it's a quest on the Z axis, which none of us know how to get to. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "Oh, this all sounds crazy." And she's like, "Yeah." And then he's like, "Don't you think there's something that rich people know that we don't?" And then that's when she's like, "I don't know, like good restaurants, maybe." Yeah, like it's not coming from the tone of like, "Yeah, dude, obviously." Yeah. Um, and I guess good
0: restaurants. I think Topher Grace is very well. Yeah, obviously. To-
1: that's different because the scenes with for Grace are basically, or to Brandon's point, to both your points, the idea of someone saying like, yeah, what you're saying is not profound. Yeah. It's like every, everyone thinks that they were destined for some great mission in life, that mm-hmm. they were going to become known for doing something great. Like everyone thinks that it's narcissism, <clears throat> it's growing up in this generation. Because mm-hmm. it's also like a generational satire a sp- mm-hmm. of a certain type of young, urban, non-professional yeah. in Los Angeles. Like the Silver Lake setting is not by mistake, mm-hmm. although it seems odd to cast silver Lake, not to get too regional as a neighborhood full of dirtbags and layabouts mm-hmm. when it's actually full of yuppies now in 2005 yeah. all these people lived there now yeah. it's like outrageously expensive mm-hmm. this i guess is sort of a problem that i have with this movie i'll make this quick because i don't want to get too sidetracked on i'm enjoying what we're saying but like i just don't think this movie fundamentally understands what la is now like the, the... but the movie takes place in the past yeah but he's does it yeah. no, no, no. It takes place be- be- in the early 2000s. You're saying this because of oh. the Twitter. Um, well, it can't take place in look the early Look at their phones. No, no, no but it can't. Look at, look at the. And the Twitter page. Look at the drone. Look at the Amazon discussion. I think the movie is trying to be this melange of time periods and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um... Uh, I'll think of it. Uh, 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 anachronisms. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of what it's going after, but I do think it's meant to take place in today because of sort of the doomsday vibe of all of mm. it. And the really? Unchecked corporate See, artwork.
2: I thought it was pretty firmly planted in like early 2000s. Well,
1: because the costumes in this movie are so outrageous, they look yeah. like for they look like hipster fashion from 2003. Right. No one dresses that way anymore. Yeah. But he is dressed in very contemporary garb. It's just like the car, the caricatures around him are wearing these outrageous, like flower power. Like no one wears a Daisy crown out in LA anymore. Like Mm -hmm. they save it for Coachella. Like for me, like the cardinal scent of this movie getting LA wrong is almost from frame one when they're in this coffee shop, which Friend of Alfaz, Zach Ogle is in the first yeah. frame. He's in this the movie. first frame. I, I know. That's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. I was wondering if that was him. It's totally him. <laughs> um like, imagine fuck? my shock when I saw this at the Egyptian at AFI last year, like seeing Zach big on the screen. <laughs> but um uh it's you know, we're, we're we're tracking this line of hipsters who look who are dressed in very contemporary, very contemporaneous garb. And then we get to Andrew Garfield mm-hmm. waiting in line at this <clears throat> overpriced coffee shop with You know, everything's art decorated and minimal and very much like Kanye West fashion line, like burlap chic. And then if you look on the, you know, it's sort of making fun of these sort of establishments that you see popping up all over the place in gentrified neighborhoods. And there's, of course, this whole thing going on where he's out of money and yet he can't help but spend money on cocktails and ridiculous and pizza. He's eating out for every meal on the menu Mm -hmm. at this cafe. A chai tea costs two dollars. Name one coffee shop in LA where a chai Why costs does less than matter? four dollars. Because it is trying to target very specifically and acutely.
0: Why can't
2: a type be, of Los Angeles I satire? I think
1: he is allowed. It has the to small details wrong. It, any, has, it has all the small I think details he's allowed wrong. to
0: take all of what Los Angeles has been in the last twenty years and make a movie out of it. A
1: two-dollar chai. Yes. Where where the fuck can you get a $2 for the chai? past
0: twenty years? I'm sure
1: a chai is a specialty item.
0: I'm, I swear to God, I'm not being. I didn't even notice. I'm that. not
1: being a. I've, well, I've seen it twice now, so I'm like looking at things.
0: You're looking for the codes, I'm man. I'm not
1: just trying to be a bitch or. am I'm, I'm. Here's the thing.
0: Here's I the just thing. like truly don't care if it's a bad LA movie,
1: but it is trying. What do you? But it is trying to be a great LA movie. Why else would you be referencing The Long Goodbye and the apartment complex and constantly be evoking these landmarks? Yeah, but like the these city? specifics
0: I don't think matter. But he they matter within the world of the film. I don't think so. I don't you don't think, think so. he's trying to make an LA movie. Right? I don't think it no. Movie. it he's, is an LA movie. I don't movie. think he is trying to make a like 2017 LA movie. But it doesn't
1: Okay, but this is that's different between it not trying to be a good LA movie. Okay. Here's my point you cannot miss small details like charging $2 for a chai tea, which has always been a specialty item. I don't care if this takes place in 2004 or it takes place in 2017. How do you fuck something like that up? And to me, it's like this movie has a big imagination and I love it for that. I love that it swings for the fences. I love that it dreams big, but I think he really forgot to shade in the small details in this movie. And for me, that becomes a problem the more it goes on. And the satire is very on the nose for me. Like, I'm I mean, not, this I is a got, movie. I'm not. Tr- I'm not trying to just be a bitch to say like I'm right and everyone's wrong. But it is. Just, it bugs me when it bugs me when you get the small details wrong in a movie.
2: Well, your point on it being too on the nose. This is a movie that is about as blunt <laughs> as that guitar going mm-hmm. to that old man's fucking skull. Yes, I love here's that a movie. I, it's good. Here's a movie that is that wears its influences and its homages on its sleeve. Like a, when characters walk away and reveal a fucking Hitchcock Hitchcock tombstone, which yeah. Yeah, that's eye rolling, but it's blunt. And that, okay, here's also a movie which, of course, where is meant to be blunt. Andrew Garfield gets a fucking amazing Spider-Man comic stuck to his hand and flings it off. Like, uh, I didn't even notice yeah. that. This movie is <laughs> not subtle. No, I no. so that doesn't. I, I agree me with that.
0: that. Well, here, <clears throat> so I think the. I mean, I don't think everything is moving is successful, but so it's like. If, you, if Andrew Garfield's character, Sam, lives
1: <laughs> in a... Is his name ever said in the movie? I no! believe it is.
2: Oh, well, is it? Because I didn't remember hearing it, which is why when I saw it in the credits, I was like, Sam. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's said. But
0: so if we can, you know, consider him in a vacuum, the character is a very good piece of satire, I think. But it's when you then take him into the world that makes it not work. And okay. primarily for me, it's... That there are no female characters in this movie. Period. Right. That but, is really how I feel. Which None. is, of course, and that completely undermines everything he's trying to say about masculinity. There should be female characters in this movie. There are a lot of female actresses looking off into space in this movie. Yeah, and of course, i looking like, pretty.
1: i've Ben, this is where. This is where if I'm supposed to be, I'm. If I was playing the devil's advocate, I would say, well, that's the point. It, it, it's the idea that these women, all the women are vapid in this movie. Yeah. None of them matter because through his eyes, they yeah. aren't real people. This character hates women. Mm-hmm. Um, it undercuts the commentary. But I, no, but I, I, opinion. I, I no, I'm with you on this I know. because it frustrates me that, he has his eyes on all the right targets and he misses almost all of them for mm-hmm. me. And because this is a this is a great area for satire. Mm-hmm. Privileged, young, white, cis man who moved to LA with a dream mm-hmm. isn't making it work. And is acting as if the world owes him a favor and rather than take some accountability, figure out the conspiracy around him that's depriving him from that opportunity to actually achieve greatness or something. Which in this case is finding this girl that he feels he is destined to be with. He finds, he thinks it's his responsibility to find her. Um, Great place, great place to set your target. Mm -hmm. But I agree with Ben. Once you move him out in the world, he just sticks out. It's not even like he sticks out like a sore thumb. It's just oil and vinegar. And... I don't know. Like, I understand people really love this movie and the satire for it, and would probably say, "Like, no, that's a credit. Like, like that is a credit to the
0: movie. He's a Looney Tune out there yeah. in this real." Like, world. I love him, like running through Echo Park, chasing after Zasha Mamet. Like, hilarious! It's hilarious, and like I get that part, but I just why can't Zasha Mamet have a soul in this movie? And I, I will. Why say, can't Riley Keough have more than, like, I know more about. Terry Lennox from three minutes yeah. in the long goodbye yeah. than I know about Riley Keough in this entire movie. You know?
1: Yeah. And so I'm not defending the movie necessarily, but I'm saying what I think someone who would, and maybe Brandon can say this instead of me, or you can join join in here. But what a defender of this movie would say is they're not interested in him. They don't want to be in this story. Mm-hmm. Like when he corners Asha Mammon in the bathroom and she just kicks him in the nuts, mm-hmm. it's like, creep, go away. Yeah. Riley Keo has a whole other story going on. She doesn't want to stick around. She doesn't even want to... Like, Are you ever, you ever hang out with somebody who you just don't like, mm-hmm. and they're, like, like, opening up and... Not, not, like, telling you secrets or, like, really being vulnerable, but they're trying to pull it out of you, and you just will not go there because you don't like this person? That's all the female characters in this movie. But I... It doesn't get me invested. Mm-hmm. And so it fails to me as a piece of storytelling there. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't get invested in anybody in this movie
0: i i think
1: ricky lindholm is good but i think I she's also, i also think she's played as it's, vapid it's
0: just very good fun to see her yeah, on the big screen yeah i'm happy for her i <laughs> whichever you know selling out theaters across america
2: i, I see that point but i am a, a defense i am must under as an under You're the silver like apologist uh-huh. <laughs> let me say that i acknowledge it and i see it but it didn't bother me and my defense for it is i do have a defense mm-hmm. is that like i said before you're so skewered into this fucker's r- worldview mm-hmm. that it is what you're seeing and the one thing bothered me was like the one girl just wanted to like fuck him which is like weird which one, the, the balloon girl yeah balloon girl was like, mm-hmm. i want to just fuck but it's like it's also like he is hot and she's like using he him hot. um so the bigger I problem the, for me there is that they play "What's the
1: Frequency, Kenneth?" by REM for that dance number, which is a song all about secret messages mm. in the media. And LOL. Like, not I mean, and I love REM. My my high school it's band a blunt movie. did a cover of that song. Um, oh, I wow. do not. It's just so fucking on the nose.
2: So, but this is also a good moment to bring up the the burning parallel. Yeah, because yeah, there's sure. that. I, I don't know who wrote the piece, but someone wrote a piece about Under the Silver and Burning and what they and they played it can together. Um, so, Burning has a female character that disappears, mm-hmm. and Yuan's character becomes obsessed. It's his destiny to find her and to save her, even though okay. he's probably not doing that at all. Um, so Riley Keog's character, at first, I was like, oh, there's nothing, she doesn't get much to do, but when she comes back, and it, it was that same that I mentioned before, that, the video call scene. Like, that, that's when it coalesced for me, and that's when I was able to forgive it Mm. and i think her character is fully formed i think she is making her own choices and living her own life just like um remind me me. Hamie. Hamie is in burning like she chooses to disappear riley keogh in this movie like she probably didn't even disappear she probably just actually moved and he's a psychopath right um so I don't – I see the critique of all the other female – but even Sasha Bama, like, she kicks him in the balls. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think the women do have command of their – I mean, I – he is misogynist. I just don't know I don't think about the movie them. is misogynist. I know so much about Hayme.
1: I
0: don't know anything about these women. Right. That's fair. And I
1: think they're allowed to be different movies. Yeah. But for me, it's not just the women. It's all the side characters – are such caricature like? Of course, that's the point. Like, mm. there's all these zany characters bopping along the road. Like, who he? Bop- and there's
2: the Winkies man. Yeah, I love the Winkies man. Um, I love the Owl Woman. Mm. The, way I like her, the Owl Woman. The way woman her leg juts out of the, oh, yeah, I of, about the her. of the cabinet. Yeah, but, but I. I um, it's scary too. We it, haven't it, we that, haven't that, even no, talked no. about that, that moment. How scary. scary this movie is.
1: I that moment I found scary. The rest of it I find sort of shock jockeying. The 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 spooky. I. Like when, when the when the he thinks Riley Keo's eating that dog and it's that crazy man with the mm. ravenous teeth and the bloody mouth like that's effective I guess but for the owl the owl creature the that, owl that creature is, good. is creepy that is good. but I um Animal lady I, I swear to God I'm just not gonna keep poo pooing on the same point but I can't I can't fully get down with the Mohan Drive guy because that's that that's all the they live stuff which for me is the most obvious and has been done before. And so I just can't. I just. I just don't care about any of that.
0: Um, I just don't think just any. Don't any, of, any, any, of any. Any. of the like the mystery elements follow in a way that makes sense to me. And that like things happen sort of randomly in Mulholland Drive, but there's that emotional logic that carries it through. Mm-hmm. And I don't get that in this movie. And it's just like. It's just like there are all of these loose threads that all seem to push to the same end point, which is totally fine, but I don't think he pulls it off the way that David Lynch would pull it off. Right. And I think that he's allowed to not... I think he, I think David
1: Aramendrel is allowed to be the lesser filmmaker, mm-hmm. but I don't think that he pulls That's off... That's true of everyone. True, exactly, exactly. They're allowed to be the <laughs> lesser I filmmaker think to David Lynch. He, I don't think he pulls off his experiment there, where it's not even free associative. It is mm. the idea of a completely unraveled plot Mm -hmm. being put things being put up next to each other like pieces of narrative being put up next to each other that don't connect and that just being a challenging approach to narrative highly subjective to the Andrew Garfield character and also the whole point of the movie basically about like you can never stop pulling at the string eventually like you there's nothing at the end there's no big answer it's the Mm -hmm. idea of like a search for meaning and how you can't actually get there so in theory I get all of that I find it highly unsatisfying dramatically Mm -hmm. And at, at the end of the day, we're watching a movie yeah. and you have to, you have to keep my interest as it goes on. And like, I look, I love that this movie is sort of attracting a cult. I think it's, I think it's exciting anytime. Like I'll probably watch it again someday. Like I had a, I had a blast. I, I, I did. I didn't hate, I mean, I don't like the movie, but I didn't hate having to watch it again the way I thought I would. Like there's more, there, there's plenty to chew on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I just like i just can't get down with the idea that this movie is brilliant because it is disruptive in all those ways and denies you all those things you want and is about someone who doesn't deserve that big heroic lap at the end of the movie. like it's two and a half hours like i love that people respond to this intellectually like that and that they enjoy the ride
0: are we talking about long day's journey in tonight now
1: i think we're talking about long day's <laughs> journey into tonight uh,
2: <laughs> Yikes. which i haven't seen Speaking i mean of scenes scenes it is strung together it really is a testament to andrew garfield's performance that this movie is as watchable as it is yeah. and it is as watchable as it is with this character He's that you're good. forced to follow this is his best performance since social network i mean this is i mean spider-man 2 i mean <laughs> true
0: though <laughs> I tripped over a child going to pee in the middle of that movie and I was so drunk. <laughs> At least you didn't shove an egg in his face. I was so
2: oh. When Emma drunk. Stone <laughs> dies in Amazing Spider-Man 2, that is cinema. Spoiler alert. Uh, whatever. I like can those I, movies because I like him. Can I just say- Literally same.
1: I I, I don't want to debate this. I'm not even going to make points beyond my basic thing here. I'm only saying it because it's how I feel. I don't think Andrew Garfield's very good in this movie. Oh, <gasps> I do. I don't. Everyone else thinks that way, so it's like, why waste our listeners' time with me saying something? that's just going to sound
2: annoying. Did you at least like his dick in the in the um, pajama pants? Oh, of course. when he's walking around and the room. Like, and, and his I, biceps are so. Good I in love, this movie. I love when seeing he him when he goes screen, like this, and he's like, what? What, Brandon? What, and is, his what are you? Arm doing? pops out.
1: You twist in his hands. Pop when his you arm. twist
2: and the bicep.
1: Andrew Garfield is total eye candy and one of our most talented act one of the most talented actors of his generation. Like I was glad to be watching him. I no, I'm not going to say anything. Like I said, I, 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 it's it's a little actorly for me.
2: Apparently, at the Under the Silver like, Q and A over yeah. the week over the past two weekends ago. Now that this will have come out. He joked that he was high the entire time filming, but I'm like, well for me it's just maybe like, he was. No,
1: do you remember when Andrew Garfield was doing Angels in America and all of a sudden he had a lisp and a limp wrist whenever he was oh, whenever he was talking that's about the movie true. and it that actually true. wasn't that convincing? That is exactly how I feel about Andrew Garfield under the silver mm-hmm. lake. I don't think it's convincing at all. But like there's like spacey, like st- it's very mannered to me. Oh, so that works for me.
0: I'm glad it works. His little, his little, he's one of my least favorite parts of Angels in America, which I saw on
2: Broadway with him in it. Um, did you notice in this movie his little like lisp that would come out? Mm-hmm. Not even a lisp, but this. his little like mouth thing. No. He'd be like... <laughs> I don't know he I did know. not his, notice that his tongue would like get in the way of his okay, words. it. Okay, there's one more thing that hot. I <laughs> I would like to discuss. Okay. Which
0: is the 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 conceit of this movie that nothing matters. There is a there's a thesis in this movie that nothing matters. Mm-hmm. In sort of a nihilistic way? Yeah. And to your point that we're still watching a movie, like that's not a satisfying or at least the way that he does it, it's not a satisfying thing to make a movie about. But I think that Mulholland Drive is getting at something very similar. And I think what David Roger and Robert Mitchell is really trying to get at, which is how artificial everything is. Yes, mm-hmm. <coughs> And obviously David Robert Mitchell comes down on the side of... Then it doesn't matter, but David Lynch comes down on the side of just because it's artificial doesn't mean it's not meaningful mm. and it doesn't mean that people don't have feelings that yeah. are real, whether yes. or not they're right right that they're real that whatever you're going through, you're still going through it mm-hmm. and that's the David Lynch thing, and I think that is just a more successful route to take in the cinema. I just it's very clear early on in Under the Silver Lake that the point is going to be that nothing amounts to anything. Yes. Right. That like, you're going to go through this journey and it doesn't matter. Yeah. And no. And,
1: and and that's why it's calling countless homage to Mulholland drive down to the casting of that guy. Mm -hmm. The he lives in the apartment complex from the long goodbye, essentially, like he has the, the movie opens in very similar ways. Like the topless woman sunbathing across the, across the porch with like, that that like voyeuristic strand is all, and, and just the layout of the complex is straight out of the long goodbye. Like from the beginning, this movie is calling, it is making reference to these film, these neo noir, which are all about unraveling the ball of cat string, and eventually understanding that it's just this random scatter universe that we live in, right? Mm-hmm. Where in long goodbye, friends actually turn out not to be your friends, In Mulholland Drive, what you're being presented with isn't actually real, and and actually isn't. Uh, there's not much value to it, yeah. like, like the, the surroundings, not so much the human interactions or the human feelings. Um, and I get that, I guess that's what he's going for. Is it like, to, what, to Ben's point, this sort of nihilistic end of the rope where none of it matters and you just watch this movie full of shiny surfaces mm-hmm. and we called over, we called back to all these other neo-noir and you thought that meant there was going to be meaning there, but there mm-hmm. wasn't meaning there. There's not meaning in any of it. You just keep following the maze and you get to the end and you don't find the girl, but you do find a pretty offensive lampooning of the homelessness population in Los Angeles, um, which I fucking hate. Um, oh, my God. His monologue about the homeless,
2: I was like, oh, God. To finish my points
1: without going off on a tear, which I could, and I'm sparing everyone involved about how disgusting it is to say, oh, L.A. has a homeless population. Uh, let's, let's make the people who are experiencing homelessness part of the satire. Yeah. They have a secret society. Like, that is distasteful that's disgusting but to ben's points what what a conclusion nothing matters great mm-hmm. like i've read the outsider um i get it <laughs> um i it's just it, this movie is meaningless and i understand that that's the point on some level but i don't think that's quality satire i understand this movie is a satire i think it's bad satire what do you think brandon
2: <laughs> i love it mm-hmm I love. So, this what movie. else do you
1: love? I-, I won't. I won't say anything. But uh,
2: what else? Do I you don't know. About? I've said my piece. I just. I was. I was just. I was going along for the ride, right? I love Andrew Garfield, um, not just because he's hot, because he's talented. Um, <laughs> and, um, but my God, we get a you know great. We get a lot. Um, the last shot is of his bod. Yeah. The last shot is of his bod. David Robert Mitchell knows. Um, you and I have the same. Type David <laughs> Robert Mitchell and I. Um, but really for me, as much as I can, there are hots
0: all over this movie. A <clears throat> lot of oh, hots. littered with hots.
2: Um, but it's just what I said earlier. Like uh, I was, I was surprised how moved, and I still don't understand why I was mm-hmm. moved by the video call scene, and my. Out there, theory that all of it's a dream. Um, all the, the the compares the the parallels I'm able to personally draw to Mulholland Drive. Um, I don't know. It works for me. I'll say I can I think it's I, know, yeah, yeah. I can
1: forgive it. And this is going to annoy Ben because I'm getting back to the veracity of LA locations here. But the idea that there is an underground bar in Hollywood Forever Cemetery, mm-hmm. which just doesn't exist, not a thing. Um, if it's a dream, then it that changes that, and like then I can get down with that. To the idea that what if there's a bar with a secret society beneath the mausoleum in Hollywood Forever? Like then it's like okay, well that's a little more fun. The idea that it is all just a pure imagination.
2: I think yeah, I think that all this shit's made up in his head.
1: I don't know if I fully agree, but that makes me forgive this movie's transgressions <laughs> <laughs> against the idea of like I'm all. F- I'm fucking dressed like Andrew Garfield in the movie right now. Like, I'm all for satirizing this shit. I'm just like chai tea doesn't cost two dollars. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I promise.
0: Done. Um, I just don't know why that's your example that you're sticking because with. Because it. Because in <laughs> there's got to be a better one.
1: Um. <laughs> well, I mean, I've sort of already said my thing about how I think the way that this movie treats the people who are experiencing homelessness in this city as some sort of like secret society completely mm-hmm. fundamentally misunderstands like the homelessness problem, period. I'm not saying the movie has to address the homelessness problem. I'm saying if you're making a movie about LA, like if you're, if you're satirizing a culture in LA, mm-hmm. if you're going to talk about folks who live under bridges and tents, there's got to be another way to make him look like an asshole. Like in, in your worldview yeah. here, there's got to be a better way to do it. And that's another, like, it's, it's just a lot of little That's fair,
0: but that's not to the veracity of Los Angeles point. No, I
1: think it is. I think, no, I, no, I, I think that it is. I mean, just what, well, you don't think it is. We don't have to, it'll be a boring conversation. Well, here's another example. The band, what is it, like, Jesus and the Horde of Vampires or whatever, mm -hmm. like, on the cover of the LA Weekly. Mm -hmm. Since when? Like first of all, the music sounds nothing like what plays in like cool Los Angeles. Like there's nothing like that playing at the Echo, which is where like young people and this type of this type of LA where I
2: think it is.
1: Maybe it's just oh. not. Maybe it's just not what I listen to. Maybe I just don't know about this Jesus and the Vampires of Diamond, like whatever. But like the way that they're dressed, like it's just that fa- the fashion <clears throat> of that band is not what would catch fire. With young people in Los Angeles right now,
2: and so I don't know. Isn't it, that, it isn't it Bat for Lashes playing a, a show in a chapel like two years ago?
1: Isn't ba- I thought Bat for Lashes was like one woman.
2: I know, but just that like no, vibe. I
1: don't. I don't. I disagree with that. Ba- no, Bat for Lashes is highly emotional, like very personal music.
2: This band is. I like just mean the aesthetic. Singing about
1: th- their songs the like this city that we live in. Like it's just it does not. That is not coming from. I'm, I'm. I'm not going to make that point. But I live closer to where this movie takes place. I drive through this neighbor, these neighborhoods every day on my way to work and home from work. I do not see anything. in this Not
2: movie. my Silver Lake. I do
1: not see anything. Okay. So that's another example. Is the is the band, the type of music they play, what they wear.
2: That band would not be playing at the standard. I will say that. There's another example. <laughs> um, I, these are like. I have one final point stuck to make. Um it's as neither
0: meaningless of, as the movie.
2: Neither of you have seen Myth <laughs> of the American we, Sleepover? No, but mm-hmm. it's the
0: movie playing in Hollywood Forever, right?
2: Um, See, I don't think it is, though, because isn't that Mandy Moore? Oh, I don't know. I,
1: I thought that it was.
2: Wait a minute. Isn't that Mandy Moore in the movie that's playing in Hollywood um, Forever Cemetery? I don't think so. Because I thought it was... I thought it was supposed to be Myth of the American Sleepover, but then I was like, isn't that Mandy Moore? But maybe it's just an, a young actress who looked like a young Mandy Moore. Maybe it's like, maybe they recreated it
0: maybe. for this movie.
2: because
0: when when it is they, just
1: the movie, though. Myth hmm. of the American Sleepover.
2: Because when that scene happened, I was like, wait, I've seen this movie. So hmm. it must be Myth of the American Sleepover. Which I
1: was annoyed by until the actresses are to his right. And like, oh, that just is good filmmaking sense. You know, those actors, they'll probably do the day for free. You know what I mean? And you own the rights to the movie. That makes kind of sense. I I don't like when they walk away from the the Hitchcock tombstone, mostly because I understand that like the satire is very broad in this movie and that it's cartoonish. And it's sort of like, again, like a Looney Tunes reveal. Like they walk away, the tombstone says Hitchcock on it. Like I get that, but it's just like the idea that like the youth, like they're just trampling all over literally trampling all over hitchcock's grave like Mm -hmm. i don't think david robert mitchell is being like curses like he's not saying he's not like damning those kids it's just like the idea that none of it matters and eventually like hollywood is just going to regenerate into something else and like the old masters just get copied and ripped off (laughs) and like had like they do like there's the rear window stuff on the porch and Mm -hmm. then there's obviously the altman stuff with long goodbye which we'll talk about and have talked about the idea that like the, we just steal and we move on and, and we don't give them the credit because it doesn't matter. Like I get that that's the thing, but I just don't like that our mm-hmm. art- visual articulation of the point. Mm-hmm. Then moving away from the Hitchcock tombstone,
2: I just like getting, I that. I think it's an interesting, rich, dark, layered. Oh, it's certainly rich, dark, very complicated in David Robert Mitchell's career. I think it takes elements from *Myth of the American Sleepover* and it follows. It's my favorite movie of his that I've seen. Hell yeah. Well, you've seen one. Two. I've seen two. Seen two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I am an, I am a noted under the silver, like apologist. I, I do you. think
1: it's interesting. Rich layer complicated. Um, and I, I will just, maybe we don't have to talk about this. If you guys don't think it's interesting. Dark, rich layer complicated, but I do. And if you don't, then we don't have to go down this road, but just like the release strategy of this movie. So we've talked about it for a year, almost a year now on the podcast, mm-hmm. but how a 24, dumped it on VOD on mm-hmm. Friday. They played it in Hollywood and in New York. This is after like eight months of delaying the release again mm-hmm. and again and again. And I think it sort of accrued this reputation of the movie that A24 like doesn't want you to see. Like it's mm-hmm. so wildly uncommercial that they're too scared to play it in theaters. Yeah. And I do think that if that was someone in A24's genius idea to make people appreciate this movie more than they would have, had they just dumped it in theaters last mm-hmm. June as planned then that is very smart and, and, and ironic, right? Like mm-hmm. the idea that the puppet masters at A24 are actually pulling the strings of how they're, they're shaping your perception and what yeah. you see. But I don't think that people would be really even talking about this movie in the way that they are now, like celebrating it as this already misunderstood masterpiece if the movie had just come out in June. And it's frankly a very easy movie to market. So I don't see yeah. what they were scared of there. But do you think that the, I, do you think the release? My question is, and you can again, we don't have to. You can talk about something else if you don't want to talk about this. But do you think that the release strategy, for lack of a better, for this movie has impacted the discourse at all?
2: No. Okay. I think it would have had the same. I think it would have garnered the same cult following, and on the other side of that, the same hate uh as it has now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it would have been a bigger conversation if it had come out in June when it was supposed to. Yeah. It, it had the best yeah. per theater average. But yeah.
1: look at it Look at it this way. The IMDb page front of the silver, like, if it doesn't already say it, will forever say, debuted in canned competition, mm-hmm. got mixed reviews, A24 didn't know what to do with it, so eventually they just dumped it, yeah. and now it is celebrated in certain corners. Like it, yeah. there, there is a narrative building there, which yep. I mean is ironic because yeah. of what the movie's about. Yeah. And so I'm just... I think it's dark Richard. I think it's dark Richard layered mm-hmm. complicated. It is. Um, and don't we think that Andrew Garfield
2: is hot? Being
1: so rude to his mom on the phone, mm. there's a certain resemblance to the son of one ah
2: uh-huh. so Who doesn't true. want
1: to talk
0: to mommy at dinner because she doesn't want to talk about daddy. All right. I can see the counter argument to this. I was going to bring this up. I don't believe that he doesn't know who Janet Gaynor is. He has a creature from the Black Lagoon poster in his apartment. But don't we think this could
1: be part of the satire? Like, it's, yeah, it, this movie is almost like it's not critic proof, but like the satire that people tend to respond to it is. And I'm annoyed that I'm building a straw man, so I, I'll take it back. But this movie, there, there seems to be a, a defense for every argument against this movie by saying mm-hmm. that's the point. Yeah, like these the the movie posters all over me. Like,
2: me saying that
1: yeah but like the the creature from the black is at a rear window poster like all
0: this stuff like those like, are very boy movies janet Gaynor is a very lady actress like and his mom wants to bond with him like i see the counter argument but i just don't believe it
1: i think it's annoying that like he's out there with his binoculars on his porch and he walks in we see a rear window poster just like we i don't remember oh we're talking about the dog killer and he wakes up to the andy griffith show i thought he didn't have cable with little Ron Howard being like, where'd all these dogs come from? Like little Opie, opining the, you know, that mm-hmm. there's the, so many dogs. Well, the show you know. show's on Netflix, so. But do we think that he watches the <laughs> Antigriff's <laughs> show? See, but this is what I mean! This is what I mean! But it's like, what my, my point is, is I just don't think that's clever. Yeah. And, and, and if someone was to say, like, it's not supposed to be clever. It's supposed to say how reductive all this is. Like, I think there's a more interesting way of showing that. But that's the point.
0: It's not interesting. It's th- As we know, I I hate talking about directorial intent. Yeah. Like, I don't think it matters. Sure. What matters is... What's on the screen. Yes, yeah. and how the viewer interacts with it. I'm just saying that uh, I think that's what he meant to do is not a valid counter-argument, in my opinion, for that. any movie. I feel
1: that. Which is why I ultimately... Um, even though I know that Claire Denis has made sense of that train conversation in High Life, mm-hmm. that's my that's my argument. I'm like, I get it. Yeah, that's intent.
2: Anyway, she didn't want to get rid of it. She I do love
1: it. that she kept it.
2: There's nothing. Same. I do love that she the, kept it.
1: I mean, it's the great. best reason
0: for anything that a filmmaker does is I just wanted to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know. It's people. People discounts psychological explanation Mm -hmm. for movies when it comes to auteur theory or just Mm -hmm. why directors do things like we, we like the idea of a Q and a where someone says to the director, like where'd you get this idea and how did you manifest it out the movie? And they tell you very specifically, very methodically, like I mapped out every shot with a dolly Mm -hmm. and track. And I, when I was doing it, this angle, I meant to evoke this and that and this. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of times far more intuitive than that. And Mm -hmm. it's, the camera and direction becomes an extension of psychology. Yeah. Like, that's more interesting. Yeah.
2: You know? Um, I have to pee, and then okay. can we move on to homework? Yes, yes.
1: absolutely. yes
2: Begin with John Carpenter's They Live. Okay. What's the final line of the movie? I want I meant to write it down. I ben, don't do you remember? I, don't. I remember? I just
1: remember
2: I'm all out of gum. <laughs> I came here to chew
1: gum and kick some ass. And I'm all out of I'm gum. I'm all out of chewing gum.
2: Ah, oh, it's so good. Okay. Uh, I the final line, line when the woman is back. having sex with her husband, but then oh, he's, yeah. he's revealed as the alien and oh, he's yeah. like What's wrong? Yeah, what's wrong, Carol,
1: or that whatever? Funny.
0: That was clever.
1: I just love that this movie is built on the back of Rowdy Roddy Piper's charisma mm. as a leading man.
2: Like literally, what the fuck, yeah. Ben? A a you were big, like, I wish there was any, acting. any. Acting. He's just a big I, hunk
1: of meat and cardboard that yeah. just like bumps <laughs> and just double as it goes along, which I think works to the movie's favor because once he, he's an idiot and he yeah. gets these glasses and he discovers that billboards are actually revealing subliminal messaging that aliens are living among us. And the alien design is great. Just like the the skull. It's very unsettling. Mm -hmm. The idea that an idiot is the person to find this out and therefore is the least likely to be believed as a messenger. And it's just like, he's the everyman, which is very more interesting. I mean, scanners is a better, or not not scanners. Videodrome is a better example of, um, uh, well, Videodrome is great because the lead is a piece of shit. It's James Woods in his best role because he's playing James Woods. Oh. He's just a big piece of shit. Mm. I haven't seen that. The way that that movie like goes into a conspiracy at the end where some people are buying into a global media consp- a global media scheme where they have power and influence and they're mind warping the rest of us. Like, if you want to watch a masterpiece that delves into these issues, like watch Videodrome. Mm. Hell yeah! Or you know what? Watch Under the Silver Lake. I guess. Yes, but-
2: please do. My favorite
0: movie where aliens. Conquer the Earth is Little Shop of Horrors. Oh. I love Little Shop of Horrors. That. Oh, it's so good. You have to watch they they re-release it with the original ending and it's so much better. And you have to do that. They made them change it because it didn't play. <gasps> the Broadway ending mm-hmm.
1: is that though. Yes.
0: Is the original Audrey, ending takes over the world. Mm-hmm. So
1: that was the first Broadway show I ever saw. And I did not know it was, I was a little I wasn't a little boy, but I was innocent. And I didn't know how dark it was going to get. It's It's really dark. I can't
0: wait. Ran at the Orpheum Theater in the East Village (gasps) for 20 fucking years.
1: Watch him suck up that gas. Oh my God. Uh, It's so good. (sighs) Who wants their teeth done by the Marquis de
0: Sade? I really don't have much to say about They Live. Neither do I. I just wanted us all to watch it
1: before yeah. you saw it. The Silver Lake. It makes because it's sense. It's drawing from the same well. It when makes it comes sense. To advertising. It's a fun it's
2: a movie. I like oh, about it. It moves. Daniel. Daniel. It does move. When I found out the premise of They Live, like everyone's secretly aliens, I was about to scold you and be like,
0: ah, Daniel, "Spoiler!
2: Daniel is Daniel, Daniel is under the Silver Lake. Is everyone uh, aliens? Are the hipsters? Is I you, did wonder. Is what? you? Yeah. I was like, did he assign this as homework? Because, like, that's what happens in another so, like, like, I will kill you. If, I'm going to
1: kill that you. That would be truly diabolical if I had been doing this extended bit to you for eight months. we like, Brandon, I'm not going to spoil onto the sofa. Like, I'm not going to
2: do but
0: it. But our homework and, is and they, they, live. they live. They yeah. live and
2: they were aliens. Let's just move what? on to Altman. Okay.
0: <laughs> that's fine. Great. <laughs>
1: right.
2: Um, I mean, the only thing I have to say is that last line, which is, someone please remind me on am out there in the listener verse. It's such a funny final moment. It's a great last scene. It might just be a sound. No, it's a line. line? It's a line. Someone logged (laughs) as (laughs) their... What's wrong, Carol? I think it's like, What's wrong, Carol? Or something.
0: That's rich. It's a fine
2: movie. What if it was... Okay, Irene. <laughs> okay, okay, Irene. Anyway, the long goodbye. Uh, so the cat. I want the whole movie to be him Linda with his cat. Cat. Yes. Linda's cat. linda's is the cat. Linda is the cat.
1: When he opens the cat food and scrapes it on the plate.
2: Uh, it's and he tries to
0: fool the cat. Yeah, I love when he tries to fool the it's cat. The,
1: it's
2: the food you like.
1: So it's I'm a I'm a big Raymond Ch- Chandler stan um and i understand like there's a lot of n- stuff in his n- novels that are problematic and i would say that it's well it's of course like a reflection of the times he's also pointing out a lot of uh, racial injustice at the time i'm not saying like raven chandler was woke but just putting that out there cuz i'm a big fan of his novels the long goodbye is one of my very favorite books and what altman is doing here is not dissimilar from what david robert mitchell is doing in under the silver like when it comes to undermining like narrative the idea of like this great man in a mm-hmm. in, in this like dirty city but he's sort of this like you know like he's one like philip marlowe's always like been like sort of a rough guy like doesn't mm-hmm. play by the rules he's like poor like he he he's a, constantly an underdog mm-hmm. but he also is able to outsmart everything i love that altman the way he trans the way that he transports or like he takes that narrative and moves it from like bunker hill in the 1930s mm-hmm. to los angeles in the new hollywood and how just the idea of Marlowe owning a cat is so subversive to the idea of the hero anyway. Like mm. when it comes to traditional modes of masculinity, like owning a, three gay cat owners here, we yeah. all know in the eyes of men in America, we're all betas because mm-hmm. we're gay, but also because we own cats. And mm-hmm. so just like the, the, the way that he's undermining that type of storytelling and like the, just the, the protagonist, I think yeah. is really cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and that Terry Lennox, he completely rewrites the character of Terry Lennox, um, uh, not not a or, or Terry, I think his name is um, I don't remember what they, I think it's the same name in the book, but he um, he is not the villain uh, the way that in spoilers, but that that the ending of the long goodbye that is mm. not in the movie is not the ending of the novel. Mm. So just oh really the lack of resolution in the storytelling and it, and it goes sort of back to Easy Rider like yeah. the, the idea of. We fucked it up. The idea Mm -hmm. that like there is no pot of gold at the end of this acid colored rainbow that we're riding over through this politically tumultuous time where we think we know the answer through some sort of free love. Like it ends up, the movie ends in betrayal Mm -hmm. and he, similar to uh, Under the Silver Lake, like he was on this quest to, well, not necessarily like that, but he's on a quest to clear a man's name and then at the end finds out that he was the dupe. Yeah. It's just, I find it very effective. Yeah. I, as just as narrative as storytelling yeah. i find mm-hmm. it very effective
0: very good robert altman does that same thing in california split love california which split. is probably my favorite altman movie it's just a good pick it's a good pick. um and these i mean it, it's they're both elliot gould and it really uh elliot gould
2: the, the movies are
0: sexy. twinned in my mind he is very hot in this movie very hot um, I'm dying to see Oh, please, go ahead. No, I was just going to reflect on my personal journey with Robert Altman because please. he's someone that I've never been able to say that like I'm a fan of his. And I don't know what that's about, but I like most of the movies of his that I've seen. I don't think I've ever disliked one, but I just like I have a psychological block about saying that I like his movies. That's all.
1: I I don't know. I don't know what I don't it's know about. What that's about Altman's hmm. one of my in, in the Mark Maron's parlance, like one of my guys. Mm-hmm. Um, He's but lot,
0: one of a lot of people's
1: guys. That's true, but the way that I got into Altman was because he is one of the lesser discussed of the new Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like he he sort of broke it open with MASH in a way, but McCabe and Mrs. Miller was a flop. MASH is probably like, the
0: only one of his movies I've seen that I don't
1: like. Yeah, I don't really, I saw MASH, I don't really care for MASH. It's, it's the only one I think I haven't seen more than once. Um, but I respond to I respond to Altman's uh, anger at the system hmm. and his technique um, and the way that the, the way that his attitude doesn't really change with the times, but he the way that his targets do. Yeah. Like, I just think that I, I, I McCabe and Mrs. Miller is like one of my top 10 movies, and I think it's beautiful. I think it's one of the best shot movies of all time. I think similar to the long goodbye it's it's a version of the western and and that's a lot of what altman does is he is like picking apart american myth and he does right. it through genre work but there's something like three women which like doesn't really apply to that line of logic like he's it's the way that people talk about ang lee where he's like he he all of his like you take mm. all of his movies put them up the against gemini the, like, man gay western romance like sci-fi gemini man like mm. doppelganger fights Movie about Woodstock, like the Blank Check podcast account, like made this point today. Yeah. That's very similarly how I think about Altman. Mm. Like murder mystery, upstairs, downstairs, in *Downton Abbey*, mm-hmm. *Shaggy Dog* detective story, which is itself uh, a subversion of one of the most famous detective noir of all time. Psychological persona riff in the California desert. Mm-hmm. Army satire. Like, yeah. Brewster McCloud. Like, these movies all seem to come from a different mind, but just on paper, but yeah. the way that he'd infuse them with a very distinct sensibility. And I love his slow zooms and the pans and just... Mm. I mean, Nashville. Uh, it just, he Great actors, director, but that's all I'll say because I know this is not interesting. But I, I love Altman. But it... it um, I didn't come to really love Altman until, uh, like, after college. I don't know why that is. It's funny, I, I can't really say... I guess I did just say, but I can't really say why it is that I respond so strongly to Altman. Mm-hmm. Um like his eighties movies are weird. Like he's in the wilderness and he comes yeah. back and like shoots these plays as movies. Like he just it's, it's a dark, rich layered, interesting, complicated career. Yeah. Um and I love this movie, but it's not it's not like my top five Altman or anything. But it's I love
2: this movie. I love Elliot yes. like, Gould. Like he's, he's so good. He is so good.
1: And who else the um I love um Sorry, I love um, Nina Van Pallant, who, who plays she, the who plays Eileen, the mm-hmm. the the millionaire's wife oh, uh, yeah. or the writer's wife yeah. out in Malibu. And in the movie, it's not Malibu. Uh, Sterling Hayden is great. Mm-hmm. This movie is very sad. Like it, this movie yeah. is about like the ruin of America. Yeah, and and, and the ruin of the American archetype um, mm-hmm. that we're used to in stories. Yeah. Um. And by the way, the book is very bleak too. Um. But there's the way that the the milieu changes and some of the narrative screws are turned around. And I think it's a great adaptation. Yeah.
2: (laughs) The tagline for this movie I have two friends in the world. One is a cat, the other is a murderer. Oh, God, that's good. Elliot Gould is Philip Marlowe. That's good. Nice.
1: Oh, and just like the satire with Doctor <laughs> Veringer, like the the where they like dry out, like the detox, like the rehab oh, yeah. facility. Oh, uh-huh. That is so specific to that time. That's probably my favorite scene in the movie. It's great, and it's what's his name? Uh, like yeah, who is that? It's Henry Gibson, who yeah, yeah, is yeah. so good in Nashville as mm. as the like the the sort of fascist country singer. Um, but he's also in The Burbs, and he's also in Luck of the <gasps> Irish, the Disney Channel. Republic. I know him from The Burbs. Yeah,
0: uh, I find it really interesting that. This and Mulholland Drive are such influences on Under the Silver Lake because, um, my dear friend Lauren, who is hardcore feminist women's studies, she's the most well read person I've ever met. Um, she believes, and a lovely
1: person to boot.
0: Thank you. I'll tell her that. <laughs> uh, she believes that there are only two male filmmakers who have, like, who have truly. Given women their due in the cinema, and it's Robert Altman and, and David Lynch. And David Lynch. Wow. And this is a great point. I and, see where you're going with this. And I just those that's something that's not in Under the Silver Lake for me. <laughs> Very ironic. Uh huh. And I think it's like David Robert Mitchell has like taken the the shallow aspect of the David Lynch. Looking at the blonde woman yeah. as object and not really digging into the psyche the way that David Lynch does, and, mm-hmm. and the
1: Altman idea of undermining
0: American myths mm-hmm. and American symbols. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's, a but really without actually, comparison. that is varied I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I think that's interesting because I mean, it's it's three women and Mulholland Drive are the and Persona, but yeah, um, the, those are the movies that really give us female psyche from a male filmmaker that actually like really I think, works. I think
1: I think Nashville, Lily I mean, yes, those are the those are the examples. Yeah. But if you look at Lily Tomlin's character, yeah. Ronnie Blakely's character in yeah. Nashville, um the, like Nashville is a movie in all of the new Hollywood and of course Scorsese does like um yeah. Alice mm. and um Boxcar Bertha um like have he, you seen Boxcar Bertha? No I have not. <laughs> There's one
0: really good shot. In no, that's, I have none. That's it. So, but
1: I'm saying it's not like none of the great filmmakers ever yeah. made movies about right. women, but Altman seems much more interested in a woman's perspective yeah. in this extremely male dominated point mm-hmm. of Hollywood history. Mm-hmm. Um, movies that we all love, yeah. but are responsible in many ways for the decline of the culture because mm-hmm. of the catering to the male point of view. And, uh not Robert Altman's fault. That, that's why I like Robert Altman because what's going on right now in is the in not, the culture is, not his, is not his fault.
0: It's true. That's not Scorsese's <laughs> I was going to either. say. I was about
1: to say it's not it's, it's not Scorsese's fault. It is
0: Coppola's fault. It is Spielberg's it fault. Is Spielberg's it is Spielberg's fault. Is Lucas's, it is Lucas's fault. fault. It I would is... say.
1: I would say it would be De Palma's fault if his if movies had more successful. of an impact. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Which is not a knock on De Palma, yeah. although Dress to Kill deeply transphobic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, who else? Oh, Friedkin fizzled out. But Friedkin's movies are also kind of uh, vile. Um,
0: anyway, I, cruising is really misunderstood. I Have love you seen it. I, I would I love, love, love to really see my buddy I and keep I, missing the Midnight. Yeah, a few. They years, do it a lot. You'll find. One. A
1: few years ago, my friend and my uh, good friend and I did a double feature of Sorcerer and Cruising.
0: Mm. I've never seen Sorcerer, but I love Cruising.
1: I think Sorcerer is an, a pretty great movie, but it will take another watch for me to land on like this under the Silver Lake, like, misunderstood. It's a very, or like, love-it-or-hate-it
0: movie. I, I don't understand.
1: hate it. Uh, some of the imagery is uh, incredible, and there's a political conversation going on uh, with colonialism, or I read it that way anyway, that is compelling. I like Friedkin, and I I... Even a movie like Killer Joe, which I actually don't know how I would feel about it now, because like unique. the violence against women in that movie is, was repulsive to me. Obviously, at the time, it's a Tracy Lett script. Like it just seems to be very much like about an ugly side of humanity, and I think that Friedkin, for whatever reason, is able to bring it to life uh, in a way that is highly critical while also being uh, not 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 that the violence is entertaining, obviously, but like is satisfying cinematically. But Friedkin's tricky. I I'd, I. I'd, um, Especially the last couple ones. But anyway. Highly religious man. <laughs> Is he? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think William Friedkin's canceled. I can't remember. Uh, if he's canceled, someone let me know. But uh, his interview with Mark Marin a few years ago, it's like two and a half hours long. It's one of the best interviews I've ever heard. And he talks about, because uh, he lives in Italy, mm. he and his wife went to the Vatican, I believe, or to some some cathedral with a lot of artifacts, a lot of, like, church property. Mm-hmm. And he was shown the clothes that Jesus was killed in. Great. <laughs> and he was like, it was very emotional. I love... I want to see
0: bug. I love what we claim our religious artifacts that were, like, found in the third century. Oh, it's fine. You know? It's it, a, it's cer- cer-
1: certainly there are no conflicts now that uh, yeah. could have been avoided had we not been I so know. territorial. And That's it's like... like
0: like, these are the steps from King David's palace, and it's like, it probably Prove was. Prove it. Yeah, it wasn't, but, like, everyone in Jerusalem is, like, fighting over them, <laughs> still, forever. I'd for love, it if, over like, the I love it
1: if, like, Chicago was the birthplace of Jesus. Uh, <laughs> no, you, know? you
0: wouldn't, because then the evangelical movement would be even worse. No, no, my
1: point being is, like, that's a place that the evangelical movement, the largely white evangelical movement, and certainly the president of the United States, who, um, well, I won't wait. We're preparing it. for the war. They all, they, the all, religious they war. they all demonize <laughs> Chicago. So I'm just saying it would be great oh, if oh, like, sure. it, yeah, was oh. a city that they actively decry. And yeah. They well, they would just, they about. would just
0: move people out that they didn't want there. That's true. It would Ooh. just be a nightmare.
1: My, in my, but in my fantasy, we don't eventually get them into Chicago. I'm just saying it would be great yeah. if like, in an under the silver, like fashion,
0: like that's just what it was. and Nobody, is that where Jesus returned in like in the Mormon religion in, was in, actually Jesus Chicago? Jesus is returning <laughs> at the Obama Center. Mm. Yeah. Wow.
1: How great! Much to discuss about the Obama Center. We'll save that for another oh. episode. Are we done? Not happy. It I,
0: think more done. I think we're done. I think we're tired. I think we did. Yeah.
2: I think we survived. I think we tired. I have nothing else to say. I'm, yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm... I'm cashed. All right. I I get it. You guys are done. <laughs> Jesus. Entired. This has been another Sleepy. riveting, riotous, ravenous. I
1: love alliteration. <laughs>
2: Rip Roaring episode of Rip. movies this rips. <laughs> this episode rips. Movies IMO. Um please rate review, subscribe to us on iTunes or on other podcatchers like Stitcher, Google Play, ACast, um on the iTunes store, rate us five stars and tell us which shot of Andrew Garfield's button under the sofa, like did you mm. like best? That's a good one. I can live that.
0: Which bicep angle was your fave?
2: <gasps> the bathtub biceps. Oh. Wow. Mm. I. Which tendril real... of stray hair on the oh, front of yeah. his forehead
1: was your favorite to look at? And mm. Perhaps one day tug. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Oh my god. Wait, guys. Holy shit. I didn't tell you my dream. Oh my god. Well, this, okay. This would a, be the episode. So <laughs> you had a sex dream about Andrew Garfield? So, literally the night after I saw Under the Server, like, oh. I went to bed. And not only did in my dream I hooked up with Andrew Garfield <gasps> as his character Oh yikes. So it was like <laughs> horrible Very problematic. we just like jerked each other off. It was really oh, weird. It was like really oh, specific.
0: That is what that character would do with a man. Yeah, yes.
2: just we so we just jerked each other off each other off and then also in the dream, I was best friends with Aquafina, Oh, nice. And I kept telling her she has, like, Oscar buzz for her Sundance movie. <laughs> and then because of that, she was like, I can't be your friend anymore. Oh.
1: Well, uh, rude. Wow. I'm both, honestly, of both of you. You shouldn't have gotten her hopes up, and she should have been so dismissive. You were just complimenting. You were just trying to help. You were just trying to help, and,
2: and I woke she up didn't the, want to hear it. I woke up the next morning. I was like, what the fuck?
1: Damn. And she didn't have to hear it. I mean, you know, she she's allowed to live her own life. It's... She's Riley. She Keo was offended. And under the, she's Riley. Crying under
0: the Silver and, did, lake and like weeping, masturbating <laughs> when you finally woke up.
2: Okay, under a poster of Naomi Watts weeping, masturbating in Mahalan oh. Drive is formative faggotry. Same.
0: It's one of the best scenes. One been. of my better tweets was about how much I relate <laughs> to that scene. It's <laughs> like I it, that crushed me. How yeah. how how red her eyes are. Uh, she can't sleep. The way the, the, the wall goes in and out of uh-huh. focus. Yeah. And she's anytime it, she's
2: devastated, that's when you get the, that she, shaky, because uh-huh. it happens in the dinner, that yeah. same of dinner course. scene. Well, where of she's... course, ultimately,
1: the great tragedy is that she's walked in on while uh, pleasuring herself mm. by her grandparents. Mm. Uh, walk right walk, walk, walk right, in, walk right into the apartment where she's just trying to <laughs> let loose. Yeah. Ooh, Worst
2: nightmare. Up. Anyway. Um, That's what
1: Mulholland um, Drive is about. You don't yeah. want your grandparents walking in on you I while agree. you're having while your a friend. Irene. Okay, Irene. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Irene.
2: Um, find us on Twitter at movesimo. I don't know if I said that. I'm Brandon Kirby. You can find me on Twitter at PKKirby. My display name is under the server like Apologist. Mm. Thank you.
0: My name is Ben Empey. You can find me on Twitter at Real Todd Ains.
2: I thought you said you can find
1: my archived tweets. Mm. Nah, you're
0: you're there. I've been, I've been tweeting like I've once been, a day. I've been
1: some good tweets. My name is Daniel Crook. I'm on the internet at Daniel Crook with Rio's. Um, <clears throat> if you know where to get a $2 mm. tea latte, please let me know because... Uh, I'm going to research. I'm burning a hole in my wallet on that uh. chai.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we are talking about... Alex oh, yeah. Ross Perry's latest picture star in Elizabeth Moss, Hersemill.
1: Hersemill. Hmm. Hersemill.
2: Ben. Is no, I bet I'm so excited. excited. Like yeah, same. Um, it's, I've seen it and I really like it. With this film, we are also discussing Brian Corbet's Fox Fox. Excited to finally see Fox uh, Fox. And John Cassavetti's opening night opening night thank you Another. I Cassavetes. wanted to say opening ceremony another Cassavetes yeah another no, so wow opening
1: I mean I've only seen it once have you seen it Brandon no good movie IMO good movie can't Ex- wait it, it is I think it's good homework for her smell maybe watch it first because that movie is a fucking chore to get
2: through J- Just in on the oven well, it's
1: long it's long and it is just like unrelenting mm. in its uh, bad behavior from your protagonist. Like it's a real test to to stick with her. Mm. And I think that will probably prep you for her smell.
0: Ah. Uh, I love opening night. It's not one of my favorite cuz it's really, it's a, it's really a lot great, of though. people's favorite. Oh yeah. I have a, I have some
1: critiques. I was talking to someone the other day they Maybe told we'll me, talk about that. I was talking to someone the other day they told me they have an opening night original poster oh, wow. in their uh, apartment which I thought was very cool.
0: There's one no, it's at the music box. I think it's a Woman Under Influence poster in the bathroom that's signed.
1: <gasps> oh, and if
0: you've ever seen
1: um, All About My, you've seen All About My Mother, mm-hmm. the Almo, Almodovar film. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. opening night is a big influence on that. Oh, narratively, you'll see, you'll see. Mm. Well, um, see you fuckers then. Looking forward to it. Let's get in our bunkers.
0: The winner is Jane Fonda. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the
1: Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.